0: Fix our eyes, that we can know you, that we can adore you, that we can savor who you are. God, help us to recognize you in the world around us. Help us to see you in the faces of those we interact with each and every week, each and every day, God, may we see you We want to see you, God. Lord, we thank you that you have overcome, that you have overcome sin, that you have overcome the grave. God, that you have conquered all. And because of that, then we are declared more than conquerors. Because of you, our burden has been lifted. Because of you, we can claim victory. And so, God, we pray that where there is difficulty, where there are challenges, where there are trials, God, where there are mountains placed in front of us, God, we proclaim in faith that you are God and we tell that mountain to fall into the sea. We trust you, God. Remove all fear, remove all worry, remove all doubt from our lives, God, for you are worthy and you are are on the throne. You are alive and well. God, we pray this morning, specifically, that where our minds tend to wander, where our hearts might be consumed with things that are not of you, God, we pray that you would remove them. We pray that all barriers would be taken down, that we might see you that we might respond to you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to change us. We invite you to transform us. We invite you to remake us. There is nothing sacred, God. There is nothing sacred in me. There is nothing sacred in, in, in anybody except for you. You, God, are good. You have full authority. God, we trust you that you are working for our good. And so God, we lean into you. As we hear about Jonah, as we follow his life, God, that we would see relationship that we would see love, that we would come to accept correction because, God, you have plans and purposes that are far beyond what we can even imagine. Lord, we pray for those who cannot join us this morning. We pray that you would bring healing, that you would bring comfort to those who are sick. God, we ask that you would bless our time together. As we read your word, as we sing your praises, God, may you be pleased. May you be honored by our time this morning. May my words not be from Ben, but they be your words, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Today is the last day of our Jonah series. And uh, I got to tell you guys, this has been an awesome series. I I, I have loved walking through this book with you. Um, and uh, certainly I hope that you have enjoyed it. I know I've heard a lot of great stories about how God has used the life of Jonah, the story of Jonah in uh, in, in your lives. And, and that has been awesome. That has been awesome. I, I know that, uh, you know, some of us may not have been here for the whole series and, and, and all that, but, but I encourage you to go back and read Jonah's chapter, Jonah chapter 1 through 4. There's, there's only four chapters in the entire thing, so, so go back and read that, study that. Um, then, you know, there are really two major themes that we've really been talking about this entire time, right? Two major themes, and one is the goodness of God. One is the goodness of God. God is so good. He is so merciful and He is so gracious and kind. And at the same time, at the same time, we realize that we're not that. We're not that. And so, so just like Jonah, we run. We run from God when we should embrace him. We run from his, his uh, call when we should embrace it. We run from his correction when we should embrace it. And, and so, uh, you know, the first thing is the goodness of God. The second thing is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. You know, God is in control. You name it, storms, fish, whatever. You know, God is in control. And we're not. And we're not. And so today, today we are going to pick up right where we left off, right? So Jonah has gone to Nineveh. He has embraced the call of God. He has accepted his mission. He has gone The the second time, not part one. Part one ended in the sea. But part two, he goes to Nineveh. And uh, he goes, he delivers the message that God has given him, and the king issues a decree. The people repent. They put on sackcloth. They cry out to the Lord. They fast. And God sees their hearts, and he does not carry out the judgment on them that he has promised. So we're picking up right there today. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, I certainly uh, would encourage you to turn to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, if you have your smartphone, it's going to be right in there. Just go to the events tab, and in there you will find all the scripture, um, all of the the references from today, all the notes there. Uh, But we're going to Jonah chapter 4, and we're starting in verse 1, so please follow along with me as I read the word of God. Jonah 4 says this, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, "'Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live.' But the Lord replied, "'Is it right for you to be angry?' But the Lord said, you have not, sorry, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Amen. Amen. How many of you uh, have raised teenagers or currently have teenagers in the home? Let's just see a show of hands. Excellent, excellent. Um, Does this not sound like something a teenager would say? I mean, mean, it's it's just so dramatic. It is so dramatic. Just kill me now. My life is ruined. I wish I were dead. We don't want to minimize what uh, teens go through, but I think we can all agree that eventually, hopefully, uh, we grow up, we move on, we become more mature, and yet our guy Jonah is here sounding like a 14 or 15 year old boy. Can't you just hear his voice crack? I mean, there's there's so much angst here. He's essentially throwing a temper tantrum. He's out in the desert, and he is throwing a furious fit um, just outside of Nineveh. And for what? For what? What is Jonah so upset about? Was he run out of town? No. Was he mistreated in some way? No. The mission that he was sent on went swimmingly. Truly, from what we can see, he obeyed God, he went to Nineveh, he delivered the message that God called him to deliver, and the people responded. They believed God, they repented of their sin, they prayed to God for the first time ever in their lives, and it would seem that this mission could not have gone better. Except, except perhaps what Jonah was running from in the first place. See, it would seem that there would be success. He would hang the banner and say, mission accomplished. And yet, Jonah, I remember now what Jonah was so upset about. He didn't want them to be saved. That's what it was. And even though Jonah did what God wanted him to do, Jonah did not want what God wanted. Even though Jonah did what God wanted him to do, he didn't want what God wanted. And so we are here uh, watching this this really awkward interaction between Jonah and God. It's really awkward at this point, much like a screaming child and a parent in a store. Uh, I think we've all seen it. Maybe we've been there. But, uh, you know, this one is between Jonah and God, and it's almost like Jonah thinks that God exists for him instead of the other way around. It's almost like Jonah thinks that God exists for him. This is the old Jonah. I mean, you'd think that the man would be changed after that whole fish incident. Truly, I mean, you would think that the guy would be different. But I guess old habits die hard, and so Jonah is slipping back into his old ways. I mean, don't you just want to step in and help a brother out? Don't you just want to step in and be like, yo, Jonah, you better check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You want to be like, know your place, Jonah. Know your place. I mean, don't tell me that God's word isn't alive and active. I mean, this is real life stuff here. Sure, we haven't walked a mile in Jonah's shoes. I mean, we haven't been in the belly of a fish or traveled to Nineveh filled with 120,000 people or whatnot. But like, I mean, there are many times where we haven't gotten what we wanted. Many times that what we wanted to happen did not happen. And so there were times that we thought, man, I deserve better than this. I deserve better. I mean, we've all experienced that moment where we're like, man, our good God, our good God has given me something other than that. I mean, maybe you thought to yourself, maybe you're like, Listen, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sundays, I tithe 10% of my money. I mean, how about a little consideration on your part, God? Or maybe you're like, you know what, I have rights. I have rights, I have free will, I did this for you and now you're doing this for me? I think if we're honest, I think we've thought it. We've maybe even said it. I mean, I love scripture because God's word, God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit, God's character is revealed to us. But, but not just that, our hearts, our hearts are revealed and our minds are renewed. And so this passage, God is telling Jonah, he's like, know your place. Know your place. See, first, we got to know this. We got we to know your place that you are under grace. Okay, know your place is under grace, all right? God gave Nineveh grace. We, we said the last verse of Jonah chapter three, here's what it says. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Grace by definition is an undeserved gift, all right? It's this undeserved gift. It is a pardon when a guilty verdict has been earned, it's a pardon, it's mercy shown when judgment is deserved. And that's what made Jonah so mad. That's what made him so mad. He's angry. He's like, that is so like you, God. I mean, I knew you were going to do that. You did the very same thing that I said you were going to do, and that's why I ran to Tarshish. And Jonah's right. Jonah's exactly right. God's character does not change. I mean, take a look at Psalm 86. It says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Psalm 116, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. You think he doesn't know that. Jonah says, I know exactly who you are, God. I knew, he says in Jonah chapter four, verse two, I knew you are gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger, abounding in love. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. I know you. You couldn't help yourself, God. That's who you are. And yet God is like, I know you. I know you. You couldn't help yourself. I know you, Jonah. Know your place. See, Jonah, in his pride, could not see that he was under God's grace. In his pride, he couldn't see it. Jonah is out of line. Jonah is out of line, and the same grace that God showed Nineveh is the same grace that God had shown Jonah. And yet, here he is, and he thinks he's better, and he doesn't recognize it. He doesn't think that he's, I mean, by all all means, he is Jonah, and they are by far not like me. They're different. And yet, what he doesn't see is he disobeyed God. He had sinned. He was in need of forgiveness. And the people of Nineveh, had disobeyed God. They had sinned. They were in need of forgiveness. Jonah couldn't see that they were the same. Jonah's all upset that God has allowed more people. No, that's not right. Uh, Different people. No, no, that's not right. Those people. Jonah is upset that uh, God is saving those people. And so he's like, God, just kill me now. Kill me. I mean, I, it would be better off not being in this world, living with those people. I mean, it's dramatic, but he gets the point across. He didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want God to love them. God can't possibly love Jonah and his enemy, right? God can't love us both, can he? I mean, we're the same way. We don't go around saying that we're better than other people, but we just don't want to be included in certain groups. We don't want to be uh, labeled under the same category or, or included along with um, uh, some, some people. Don't lump me with those people. I'm not like that. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. That's, that's what we are. We aren't above it. We are under God's grace. We're not above it. I need it. You need it. They need it. We're all in need of God, and it's a good thing that he is gracious. It's a good thing he is compassionate. It's a good thing that he is loving because we all need it more than we'd like to admit. See, many times we get we get all upset at God for not carrying out judgment on someone's uh, We'll call it Saturday night sins. And yet, God has not carried out judgment on my Tuesday sins. Many times, we get upset that God did not follow through. God, the penalty for sin, boom, right there, you know, and and yet, God didn't do that for me. I mean, praise God that you and I are forgiven and that we are shown grace when we are deserving. We are deserving of wrath. But let's not make that into an excuse to withhold love and forgiveness from others. See, we have been given grace grace that pardons our sin, grace that cleanses us, and at the same time, it frees us to love, it frees us to forgive others. Because we are under God's grace, we do not draw these boundary lines between us and them. God's grace has no bounds. Hear me. God's grace has no bounds. Our God doesn't run out of love. He's never said, I'm too busy loving this person. I cannot love another. He is love. And he is big enough to love you and your enemy. Perhaps that's why he tells us, to bless our enemies because he loves them perhaps that's why he tells us not to curse them maybe he tells us to pray for our enemies because he loves them see we are to forgive as we have been forgiven we are under grace and so we should live grace-filled lives towards others so Jonah here is seen, he's shown that, that our place is under God's grace. The next thing I want us to see here is this, that uh, know your place under the authority of God. Know your place under the authority of God. See, Jonah had gone to a place outside the city. It was just east. It was in the desert, and he's going to sit there, and he's going to wait. What's he waiting for? Well, he is just so, um, what's to say, he's, he's still hopeful, He's hopeful that God will go through with the destruction. I mean, God hadn't done it yet, but that didn't mean he wouldn't. So he's out here he's with the popcorn. He's, he won a good seat outside the city. You know, just in case, like, something, like, I don't know, big thing comes down, you know, whatever. Like, he just wants to see it all. He's, like, out here with the popcorn. He's watching the whole thing. He's like, yes, this could happen. This could really happen. Maybe fire is going to come down. Maybe an earthquake an earthquake. That would be great. Let's do an earthquake. You know, God, have you considered perhaps doing, no. God wants to know from Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? God wants to know that. God wants to know that. And so Jonah goes out. Jonah goes out into east of the city, Verses 6 through 8, the Lord decides to provide a leafy plant for Jonah. Verse 6, it says, he made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And the Lord, the Lord then provides a worm to chew through the plant and make it wither. Then the Lord provides a scorching wind to do away with the plant and make the sun blaze on his head. How does that make Jonah feel? We're right back at it. Kill me now. It would be better for me to die than to live. Such drama. So God asks him, God asks him again, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry? See, this first time was about concerning the people. The second time is about the plant Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the plant? See, the plant was merely an object lesson to teach Jonah. The plant was merely a lesson to correct him. God has Jonah right where he wants him, under his authority. Under his authority. Sure, Jonah can be upset. He can be angry, but should he? But should he? See, God provided the leafy plant. God provided the worm. God provided the wind. God is in complete control here. And what is Jonah providing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm surprised God didn't bust out with the, uh, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. I mean, that is, that is kind of surprising. I mean, it seems to work with, with children. I don't know. But Jonah was sent on a mission from God. He was sent to Nineveh to deliver the message. He did it, and he doesn't get a say. He did what God told him to do, and he doesn't get to question God about it. Because it wasn't his idea in the first place. It wasn't Jonah's message. It wasn't Jonah's people. Jonah had one job, to do what God called him to do. And we do what God calls us to do, and we leave the results to him. We are to do what God calls us to do and to leave the results to him. And now Jonah here is like, he's wanting to get all angry. Know your place, Jonah. See, God wants to do something, and we tend to fight him on it. We tend to fight him on it. Every inch of the way, God calls us to do something, we, we go into denial. Well, I don't know. He, he didn't call me. Then we find some reason why we can't do it. We're like, no, I can't do it. It's not a, you know, I, you know it's just really, you know, uh, I, yeah, I'm a little busy. And then we do it, and we're like, this isn't fun at all. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, we do that. We agree to do it, and then we want to do it our own way, and we want to complain all the way along. We say, it's not fair that I have to do this. Why can't that other person do that? God, why did you not call them to do it? And in doing so, we are kicking and screaming all the way along like Jonah. Why don't we all just submit to God and save everyone some heartache? See, if we understand that our place is under the authority of God, then we understand that God is in control. God has plans and purposes. He has plans and purposes as one might expect the creator, uh, the sustainer of the universe to have. These plans and purposes, they're more important than my personal wants. They're more important than my personal desires. And, and see, my, my own personal wants and desires are secondary to what God wants. But I thought you loved me, God. He does. He does. He does love you, and he loves me. But as our Father, he wants what's best for us. And that means submitting our will to his because God is considerate. God God will consider our wants and desires. I mean, that's why uh, Psalm says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. He's going to give you those desires. But that doesn't always mean getting what's on your heart's wish list. That doesn't mean that. Sometimes getting the desires of our heart means getting something better or changing my heart to be something different. Like any good parent, God considers our wants and desires. And like any good parent, he will ultimately do what is best, even at the risk of our own comfort, our own safety, and not even getting what we want sometimes. Our God is in control. He's in charge. The prophet Jeremiah gives us a glimpse of this uh, in Jeremiah 18. All right, here's what, here's what the Lord tells Jeremiah to do. He says, go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, or destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do for it. Man, like clay in the hands of the potter, we must know that we are under the authority of God. We're under the authority of God. It's not about me, it's not about you, we're just clay. We're just clay. God is working on us, his fingerprints are all over us. We can fight him, which I think we can all agree is just gonna be pointless. Or we can submit to him. Frankly, God is going to win. He's never not going to come out on top and so we are under that authority. His ways are better than my ways. His plans are better than my plans. His purposes are better than my purposes. And if I truly believe that, then I can go ahead. I can go ahead and lay down my own personal wants and desires on the altar of sacrifice and say, God, whatever you want from me, whatever you want from me, God, I'm not going to fight you. I will surrender. I'm going to surrender my life to you. Because your love is better than life. And so we know our place is under grace and we know our place is under the authority of God. The last thing I want to see today is that our place is under God's care. Our place is under God's care. See, the book of Jonah ends with God having a discussion with Jonah, correcting Jonah. He says, you have been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow it sprang up overnight and died overnight god's like it was my plant it was my plant i made it grow i tended it i nurtured it i made it grow miraculously overnight and i made it go away overnight I give, I take away. Now remind me again what you want to tell me about my plant. Exactly. He says, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand? What do we know about plants and animals? God's the one who created them. God's the one who knows them inside and out. And who is Jonah that he should tell God who he should and should not care about? See, Jonah wants to tell God that these people, they are acceptable. These people, they are worth loving. These people here, yeah, they, they totally deserve grace. These people over here, no. No. These people are not acceptable, they are not to be accepted, do not show them mercy, do not be gracious to them, and most certainly, above all, do not love them. See, when we recognize that we are under God's care, then we must understand that God does not show favoritism. There is no favoritism, he loves all of those he has made. He loves his creation. Yes, that means you and me, but that also means the names that you and I choose not to utter. You know what I'm talking about. But God sent his son, Jesus, because he so loved the world, the whole world. Psalm 145.9 says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. A few verses later, the psalmist writes, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near to all who call on him. We said last week that God looks at the heart And if God deems someone acceptable, then who am I? Then who am I to say that they're not? If God loves someone, then shouldn't we also love them? If we are under God's care, then that means that our great God has plenty of room under there. And just like the leafy plant, we are under this great tree of life. And God says, there is plenty of room under there. Love those whom I love. See, there's an interaction in the book of Job where God is calling out Job for this very thing. He's all like, where were you when I made the world? If you're so smart, then tell me how I did it. Where were you when I created this and that? God is putting Job in his place. And then God says this. He says, do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about? for lack of food. See, God is the one who's busy running the world while you and I are here complaining. God is the one who is busy taking care of the lioness and the lions, the ravens and their young. We do not worry about tomorrow because God even takes care of the birds And so we know our place is under God's care. And when we realize that, we have a peace. We have a peace knowing that God is going to meet our needs. We have no fear knowing that God will take care of us. But at the same time, at the same time, let's rid ourselves of all pride, of arrogance, of selfishness, because we know we're not the ones doing the work. We do not need to provide for ourselves. God gives and he takes away. We do not sustain ourselves. God is the sustainer. We do not grow in the Lord because of anything we have done. God causes us to grow. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. In life, life is just simpler when we understand how great our God is. How he's so big, and so strong, and so mighty. And we, we're so not. When we know our place is under God's grace, when we know our place is under God's authority, When we know our place is under God's care, then we are free to be who he made us to be, to live lives full of purpose and power in the name of God who is mighty to save. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this great love. We thank you for the grace that you show us time and time again. Every time we fall, God, you are there to pick us up. You pull us from the dust. You pull us from the sea. You pull us from where we are hiding out in our sin. God, sometimes we're so ashamed. You, You pick us up And you show us mercy because you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. God, we thank you that we are under your control. We are under your hand. We don't have to worry. Your care, your concern for us. so undeserved, God, but we thank you that we don't have to be anxious about anything. God reveal to us, reveal to us where we have not shown care or concern to others. Help us to love as you love. Help us to be accepting and inviting because that's what you are, God. We thank you for the gift of your son that through him we have life Life to live out calling. Life to live out purpose and mission. God, forgive us when we fall short. We give thanks to you that we don't have to earn your love. We don't have to earn your protection. We don't have to earn your care for us. You do so. And so, God, because of that, we gladly submit our lives. We gladly submit our wants and our desires. We put them below your throne. We lay them at your feet. And we say, whatever you want to do, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now we're going to enter into a time of response. As the band sings, the altar will be open for prayer. If anyone would like to come and pray, I'll be down front. There will be some prayer ministers also available. But we invite you to come and connect with God during this time. So please stand as we sing.